0: Thank you for tuning in to Career Conversations, an audio series created for the University of Washington alumni community that focuses on deeper topics to help you create and sustain a fulfilling career. I'm your host, Michaela Gormley. I'm a proud UW alum and graduated in 2009 from the Foster School of Business. I'm an active member of the UW alumni community and spent two years serving as a member of the UW-AA Gold Council. Today's topic is combating ageism in the job market. And I am thrilled to be joined in this conversation by Elizabeth Acheson. Elizabeth is a Seattle-based career coach who has been working with job seekers of all ages for over 25 years. Her company in Seattle is called Blue Bridge Career Coaching. She has an undergraduate degree in psychology and an MBA, both from Stanford, and has worked with the University of Washington community and alumni for many years. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's really fun to be here, Michaela. This is a juicy topic and I'm looking forward to unpacking it with you.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to talk about it. So today we're going to be talking specifically about combating ageism when someone is looking for a new job or looking to make a career change. But uh, when I've read your work or heard you speak about this topic in the past, I find that your strategies and tips are really great for anyone who's in career transition. Um, So I think our conversation today will be really helpful for anyone who's listening, um, regardless of their age. So to just start us off, can you give us a definition? Can you tell us what is ageism exactly? Um, And just kind of tell us how you define that.
1: So I I started noticing probably about 10 years ago that clients in my practice and and people in my workshops who were 50 and over Mm -hmm. were taking a very long time. To land new jobs. And so it's not that they never land new jobs, it's that it sure. takes much, much longer. So I think that's one of the points about ex- what happens when you experience ageism in the job market is that it's, you know, job hunting can be a very frustrating experience with lots of ups and lots of downs sure ups when you get an interview down when you're not selected exactly Um, and so I started kind of taking a more systematic approach to looking at what was happening to my clients as they approached 50 and then when they were over 50 and it you and and by the way in terms of when ageism kicks in Yeah. Um, It kicks in as you're approaching 50. So in that sort of run up to age 50, you will start noticing that you're not getting as many interviews. You're not landing jobs as easily as you once did. But in some industries, ageism kicks in even earlier. Um, And I would say that the two industries where ageism starts to be felt in the early 40s, are tech well three industries really tech marketing and entertainment entertainment slash fashion slash design slash marketing and tech though those are the industries where you're going to have to start really spiffing yourself up (laughs) to to um to get attention as a job seeker when you're over 40 Um, I will tell you what it looks like from a job seekers point of view. Okay. Um, so this, um, and and I am going to use the name Matt, although that wasn't his real name. Okay. (laughs) Um, Matt, Matt was a, a very experienced and very professional, uh, learning and development professional. So he had two graduate degrees in organizational design and organizational learning and development. And he had great experience with some brand name employers here in Seattle. And he was looking for a new job. And he came to one of my workshops. And that was the first time that I met him. And you know, shared with the group how frustrating it was that he kept applying for jobs he was really qualified for, but, and getting in the interview pool, but not getting the job. And about a year later, he came to see me. And at that time I thought, oh, this is going to be a diagnostic sort of situation where I talk to him about what he says when he's asked certain interview questions because keep in mind getting the interviews yeah but he wasn't getting
0: and then not being selected
1: right getting the interview and not being selected and i realized almost right away that this guy was as authentic and polished a professional as you could imagine and he wasn't arrogant sometimes that's the problem (laughs) No arrogance. He was appropriately humble and conversational and collaborative and shared, you know, the the um, the credit for things with other people. And that's when we he and I realized that what was going on was ageism. And so there are a few clues. the The first clue is that you get interviews, but you don't get the offer. Okay. The second clue um, is that. When you ask why you didn't get the offer, they can't come up with any reason. What they say is, and this is almost for me, diagnostic of ageism, they say it was a really hard decision. Oh. Because there's nothing they can say.
0: Right. right? There's nothing solid.
1: There's no solid reason. They Essentially, what happens, and I've done, I've been able to do a little bit of sleuthing on a few cases where we'll go back, you know, two months later, three months later, and we'll see that the person who was hired essentially had very similar qualifications, but was just 10 years younger. So, um, that's what it looks like from the point of view of a job seeker is that you uh, the other thing that you often will be told is that you're overqualified mm-hmm. and that's why they're not like they'll do a screen of you um but then they'll say well we decided not to put you in the interview pool because we feel you're overqualified so that's another sort of tip that to to the fact that you're experiencing ageism now sure. we employers know that ageism <laughs> is illegal right, right. Right. I mean, they know that so they're never going to admit um that th- the reason that you weren't offered the job or didn't get into the interview pool but so so we we don't have any good research on the prevalence of ageism i know as a career coach doing this you know full time for many years it is endemic it, it is absolutely consistent across the workforce that that people start experiencing ageism what we do have data on um, is the stereotypes of older workers
0: okay yeah so tell me because it sounds like it's it's hard to really nail down what it looks like all the time right because it's yeah. not it's not sort of above the surface it's people it's kind of hints you have to pick up on or um, things you have to sleuth out like you said um so tell me about some of what those stereotypes or assumptions are that you think are um are causing people to be ageist when they're when they're looking to hire
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and and it's interesting the way you said that too, causing people to be ageist. I think it is often almost unconscious on the part of people. Sure. Right? Sure. I, I think they they never set out to say, let's take the older people out of the <laughs> let's do that. Right, right. But but it but it occurs and so there's something inside people. So um, research shows there are six stereotypes, well, six primary stereotypes of cold okay. workers. Okay. And I, I, maybe as we go through them, I, I can also tell you, how to combat them as a job seeker.
0: Oh, yeah, that sounds great, because that's why we're here, right? Combating yeah, ages. Yeah, we're so here to not, combat. <laughs> not to just tell us what it is, but to see how, or to figure out ways we can we can fight against it. Yes. So, so yeah, yeah, let's go through some of the stereotypes and then um, how we can, can work to fight against those.
1: Awesome. So the first stereotype is that older workers have less energy. Get tired more easily. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. So, when what the way to combat this is to include active hobbies and interests in. So, for example, at the end of your about section on LinkedIn, you could have a sentence like, "When I'm not working, I love to, um, you know, I love to hike in the beautiful." Cascades, or sure. something like that, instead of noting, you know, I love to do needlepoint and watch Netflix with my dog curled up in my lap, right?
0: <laughs> which, which, right? I, which is great. I love which doing that too. We
1: love to do. We all love to do that. Um, so, cite active hobbies, and then in an interview. Um, let's say you've had an all-day series of interviews, maybe some panel interviews. At the end of the day, don't even jokingly say, whew, that was a long day. I'm looking forward to getting home and putting my feet up. Instead, you want to say something like, I am so energized by the conversations I've had today with everyone on the team. I I wish I were starting here first thing tomorrow morning. Wow, that's a great tip. Yeah, think of ways to sort of flip the stereotype and present yourself as an active, energetic person. Um, the The second stereotype is that there that older workers are less tech savvy, um, mm, okay. and so and that is one that is very easy to combat. I mean. Spruce up, figure out what the skills are, the tech skills for the jobs that you want to get and make sure that you have certificates or design, you know, designations of, of some of the higher level um, skills in those areas of technology that are important for the jobs you want. And then right. make sure they're on your resume, make sure they're on your LinkedIn um, and you could also, um, in your cover letter, when you have bullet points for the ways in which you'll add value, mm-hmm. one of those bullet points could be something like, um, "I'm especially skilled with um, with adapting technology to meet oh. emerging needs in." organizational systems or, you know, whatever, whatever the wording
0: is. Specifically calling,
1: calling that out. Specifically calling it out. Exactly. You, you do have to sort of draw people's attention to it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and the other thing, so another, and this is sort of related to that stereotype is that older, older workers are set in their ways and resistant to change. Mm, So, um, To combat that, in and in, have a lot of um, change driving content in your resume and in your LinkedIn. So, have bullet points, especially in your most two jobs, that convey your interest in driving change. So, overhauled um, company wide process for xyz you know resulting in blah 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 or i mean if you can if you can use the two words digital transformation (laughs) somewhere in there um or you or include it as one of your strengths because digital transformation is something that sort of happens on an ongoing basis in all companies and organizations and if you can Own that as one of your stronger points, um, both in your resume and LinkedIn, but also in the answers to interview questions. So when you're asked in interviews, you know, tell me about a time when you did such and such. Sure. Have a couple of stories that relate directly to driving change using technology. And boom, that is going to come, that is going to blow up that stereotype.
0: Right. That one and the, the less tech savvy stereotype. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a, yeah. a two for one there. A yeah. Two, it bird. kills two <laughs> birds with one stone with that. Okay. So, so what else?
1: Um, so another stereotype is that they will, that older workers will work only a few years and then will retire. And oh, so okay. it One thing that's incredibly important, even in the early stages of your job search, when you're reaching out to people you know and people in your network, don't ever, ever, ever mention your hoped for retirement date. Mm -hmm. Because even if you mention it to someone you consider a friend, that friend has the ability to make a referral for you to somebody who works at an employer you'd like to work for. And you never want to have your plans for retirement embodied in the overall profile of you. Right. Job right.
0: Career. Yeah. So just,
1: just don't ever mention it. Um, and then you can also do things proactively in your interview, like say, wow, this This job is exactly the kind of job that I have been looking for and would love to make a long-term commitment to. So you can sort of weave in the word long-term commitment. Sure. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting because this stereotype in a weird way relates to the next stereotype, which is that younger employees consider older employees as opportunity blockers. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So particularly if you're being interviewed by someone younger, which you often are, if you're 55 <laughs> years old, right? yeah. you're probably going to be interviewed by someone who's younger. And the important thing there is don't ask questions about um you know, what are the opportunities for professional growth in this company?
0: Sure. Upward mobility is not the question to ask. Exactly. Don't
1: even hint at your interest in upward mobility or professional growth. Really make it clear. This is the job you want. These are the skills you want to use. This, This is exactly what you've been looking for. And you would hope to stay here for a really long time and leave it at that. (laughs)
0: Okay. If you are, without asking that question in that way, if you are interested in what the potential upward mobility is for a position, right? Um, Because if you're 50 or in your early fifties, you might not want to stay in that exact position for the next, however long until you retire. Are there any ways to, find out that information, I guess, without, or do you have any tips of sort of figuring that out without directly asking?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good question, Michaela. Um, I I don't think you can ever ask it verbally. Sure. What I think you can do is go to the, the employer's page on LinkedIn
0: mm, okay.
1: and study the profiles of people. Just, you know, click, Go to the employer's page and then click on people, and then skim through. Go, go through. You'll be able to tell by the pictures when you reach people who are sort of mid-career and older,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: look at their profiles and see whether there have whether they have been able to secure promotions in situ okay. at okay. that employer. Um, and I think that's probably really the only way. Sure. You you know, and it's funny since you asked that question, I even advise younger job seekers not to ask that question directly. And the reason is that when an employer is looking to hire, they want someone for that position. Right. And, and I hate this sounds sort of crass, but at that moment, they don't care about your professional growth. You're, <laughs> you're the one who has to care about your professional right, growth. Right? Yeah. And so, what I usually say to people is, look, look at other people in the company and whether there have been promotions in, you know, at that employer. And you'll get a pretty just skimming through the people um, on LinkedIn, you'll get a pretty good idea of how that works. Um, the question, though, that you can ask is um, the question about professional development, not professional growth, but professional development. Does the employer um, have a budget each year so that employees can attend professional development
0: sure.
1: symposia okay. or t- take certificates? Right. Or... Learning new, new skills yes. or, or brushing yes. up on, on
0: yes. most relevant topics that sort of thing.
1: Yes, and that is a really good question to ask if you're a younger seeker or an older job seeker because it signals that you want to stay right on top of right on top of all the latest and, you know, sort of best practices in your field.
0: Yeah. Great. Did we, did we cover all of the stereotypes or do you have I, any, any others I for us?
1: I think so. I mean, the only other one, but we've sort of covered it is, um, that there's that older employers, employees are, have obsolete skills. Oh,
0: okay. um,
1: and I think the, the way to combat that stereotype is to make sure that you are, in your resume and in your LinkedIn and in your interview answers and cover letters that you are using the current jargon for your field. Um, So, and, and where you'll find that jargon (laughs) is in the job postings because the job postings, like if you look at sort of a random sample of job postings from say 10 years ago, You'll see that the jargon develops over time, right? You know, it might, it might once have been chief human resources officer. Now it's chief people officer. (laughs) I mean, and there are many, many examples like that where the jargon keeps evolving and you as an older job seeker need to use that older jar, that newer jargon. Right, right. So yeah, I think we've covered and, and, In having this conversation, Michaela, about combating the, the, um, the stereotypes, what I hope we've really conveyed is that you have to be proactive. You, you can't just like, like you can't just let this knowledge sink into your brain and then say, okay, now I know what all the stereotypes are. (laughs) That's not enough. You actually have to do some stuff. And I I hope we've laid it out specifically enough so that people will know what they actually have to do.
0: Yeah, I hope so. So um, just to kind of say what they are again, um, because I think it's such a good list, is some of the stereotypes are that older workers might have less energy, might be less tech savvy um, and sort of resistant to change. Um, that they might only want to work for a few years and then retire. We talked a lot about that one. Um, that they might be opportunity blockers for younger employees, and then what we just talked about—that their skills might be obsolete. Mm-hmm. And I think you gave us lots of great tips for sort of how to balance those and and fight against them when we're looking for um, out there in the in the job market. I think there were a lot of great tips in there. Do you, you, are there anything else that doesn't necessarily line up with one of those stereotypes perfectly, but things you would suggest, um, that people can do or things they should sort of think about to, to fight against ageism?
1: I think the most important thing that an older job seeker or career changer can do, um, is to do some really serious reflection and strategic research before deciding what jobs you're going to target. Okay. Um, as a job seeker, whether you're young or not so young, <laughs> your, your job is to identify your most valuable and rare skills that are needed by employers. In in, in essence, job seekers need to map themselves to the economic landscape. And as an older job seeker, that is even more important because it's going to take you longer to find your next job than it would a younger job seeker. And one thing that will help you get a job faster Is to offer up a set of skills that employers need. So what you want to identify is the fields and occupations that are growing as opposed to shrinking.
0: Sure. That makes sense. And
1: then if you don't have the skills to go into those fields or occupations, well, by golly, go and get those (laughs) skills. It's, it's a lot of over 50 job seekers have done just that and very teamed up and created a website that is opportunity.linkedin.com. Very easy to remember opportunity.linkedin.com.
0: I'm writing it down for myself here. Yeah, yeah it's one that
1: sort of everyone should look at basically what they did and so this was in the spring of 2020 they identified the the jobs where there was the biggest gap between the number of openings and the number of applicants and then they linked that with uh the the um the learning that would allow you to be qualified to job to apply for those jobs.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. So
1: it's a terrific website, and um, I, I in the last year and a half, I have been pointing many, many older job seekers to that website with great success. They have indeed brushed up their skills, made themselves much more hireable. So that that's probably. And and that's something that an older job seeker should do at the beginning of the process is to, you know, tr- in, in essence, map yourself to the economic sure. landscape.
0: Yeah, I love um, that. I love that phrase that you use, map yourself to the economic landscape.
1: Yeah, that's, it's, that's a, wonderful. it's it's very strategic. It's really... I mean, it's a heady thing to do. You really right. have to yeah. think very hard, you know, and frankly, read the business section of your regional, you know, paper. Read the national papers business section. I mean, really try, um, you know, Bloomberg, Business Insider. There's so many great sites for finding business insights and, um, just, you know, do that research so that you have a better understanding in the place where you live, what employers need, what it is they're hiring for. Um, Related to this, um, and we've sort of already referred to this, um, is getting professional development. So if there's a growing area that would require you to get a certificate in, say, data analysis. Um, go and do that. Recent <laughs> certificates are incredibly uh, differentiating for a job seeker. They they really just say, hey, I've got boots on the ground. Right. I am doing, I am doing this and I have a certificate or will have a certificate to right. show it. And by the way, this is a little tiny tip. <laughs> the day you enroll, the day you enroll in that certificate program, you put it on your resume and your LinkedIn.
0: Oh, and yeah, you, that's a great tip. Yeah, I you thought of that. So you
1: say certificate and data analysis um, from you know Ecornell or whatever the whatever the um, education offering is from. Currently enrolled with certificate expected March twenty twenty two. Or sure. June
0: 2022,
1: right. so you get the benefit of that credential while you're still enrolled in it.
0: That's very smart. I also think that professional development or, or taking courses, getting certificates, adds a little bit of um, confidence to a job seeker too. Right? It reminds them, I can learn new things. I I I am good at things, um, you know, gets them excited about stuff because looking for a new job can be really disheartening sometimes Yeah, and, um, having that skill and feeling like it's fresh and knowing that you do have the most up-to-date skill and you, you're, um, sort of in the mix with everyone else. I think just giving that little bit of confidence can, can be a big booster to
1: Oh my gosh, Michaela, that is such a great point. It, it is very discouraging and destabilizing to be a job seeker, especially if you have the misfortune of being a job seeker for many months right. or even over a year.
0: Right. And
1: you're absolutely right that when you enroll in something and you're interacting with other students and interacting with the instructor and interacting with the advisory board for that professional development opportunity that it does lift your spirits. You sort of feel I'm in the game. Right. And, and that of course is another really important thing for any job seeker. You want to bring that feeling of comfort and confidence into into the room, whether it's a Zoom or Teams room or the
0: actual <laughs> room. Lots of virtual rooms these days. Lots
1: of virtual rooms. And and I will that also brings me to another item that is okay. important for older job seekers. And that has to do with your appearance. Um oh wow. Okay. It's it is important to update your appearance. And you kind of, you want to think about the three C's. You want to look and feel current, confident, and comfortable. Those are the three C's for, for really for all job seekers, but especially for older job seekers. So for What I recommend, we all have that friend who just (laughs) always looks like a million bucks, right?
0: Right? Yeah. So
1: reach out to that friend. Like they always have, they style their clothes really well, or they just have that knack to put the perfect piece of jewelry on, or their hair always looks more, you know, relevant than than (laughs) my hair. I mean... So reach out to that friend and say, hey, look, I'm about to start a job search. I, I know I need help. Would you give me some help, even just with a few, you know, a couple? All you really need for the interview process is maybe two or three outfits, kind of mix and match type stuff. Um, and then talk to a hairstylist. I, I always recommend to older job seekers that they make the effort to cover the gray. Because as much as we want to not believe it, it is true that gray hair, even a little bit of gray hair, just Mm -hmm. reminds people that you're older and you don't need that reminder. They're going to figure it out anyway. So Mm -hmm. just, I, I would update your appearance, your haircut, maybe color make your outfits a little more current, make sure you're comfortable because when you go into an interview, you've got to yes. be hundred percent. Don't, don't wear a brand new outfit that you're sort of shifting and having just, like, tugging it.
0: at Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tugging, tugging <laughs> at it. Yeah. You don't want to be tugging. Oh gosh. Um, and then I like uh, the, the well, other I was thing. I just,
0: like those three C's current, yeah, comfortable, the, confident.
1: Yeah. The three C's should help current comfortable and confident um and then as a final sort of thing uh you can use screens in a, like just go to youtube and type in you know tips for older people on video interviews, and there's some everything's
0: on YouTube. Who would have thought? I
1: know, it? <laughs> I know. it's so helpful, um, and that will help you because there are some filters and um, just some tips on lighting and positioning of your laptop that that will also be really helpful to you.
0: Sure, sure. Not necessarily making yourself look different or, or not true to who you are, but just presenting yourself in, in the best way.
1: Yeah. In the best light possible. L- which, literally and
0: figuratively. And
1: literally, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Best light possible.
0: So. I like that. I like that. Um, okay. Any, any other just general tips for us on, um, on how we can get out there or people can get out there Um, in, in the job market and try to fight against ageism that they might be facing?
1: I think the last strategy that I employ almost always with older job seekers is, and it doesn't have the greatest name, but this is what it is. It's called being a vulture where you want to work. And what it means is finding a way to work Side by side, even if it's pro bono, and I like that word pro bono as opposed to volunteer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just one day a week. So if you are truly out of work, I advise job seekers to offer one day a week pro bono to an employer, a big employer, because that way there'll be more openings as time goes by. Um. Doing the thing that you do. Bring your skills to that employer. And you want to be strategic with who you reach out to. Um, and, uh, you, as I said, you definitely want to target an older employer and one, sorry, a bigger, not an older employer, <laughs> a bigger employer. Um, so that there will be, more jobs opening over time. What happens when you put yourself side by side with uh, people in the same field or occupation that you're targeting, they see the value that you bring. And that way, when two things happen, either when a job does open up, you will go into the interview pool and it just increases your chances of being hired. Or, and I've seen this happen and it's such a beautiful thing. They will create a job for you because they oh, realize, yeah. wow, you really have great skills. You're super reliable and we'd love to hire you. Let's see if we can put together a job description that matches what you would most like to do. That's a beautiful moment for an older job seeker. And it does right. happen.
0: Right. Yeah. They they recognize your value and say, we're going to find a way to get you on our team, even if it means we have to, to create something.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even if, and I've seen this happen too, even if they say, Hey, you know, initially we can only afford you 25 to 30 hours a week. Is that, is that good? Your answer to that is yes, that <laughs> is good. 25 to 30 hours is better than zero. right? And, It just makes it that much more likely that you'll be tapped for full-time work or that they'll simply expand your responsibilities. Sure. You know, Michaela, I've been thinking that one of the things we haven't covered is one of the biggest assets that older job seekers have is your network. And this is something younger job seekers don't have. So yeah. yay, you have an asset <laughs> that younger yeah. job seekers don't have.
0: Yeah, I'm. I bet this is where you're going, and this is. I wanted to talk to you, so I'm glad we're on the same page. Is we've talked a little bit about resumes and LinkedIn, but how do we use LinkedIn better? And how do people use it to their advantage? What are um, what are some ways to really get yourself out there? Because LinkedIn can be sort of a, it's sort of a, I don't even know the word for it. It, it can be a little bit intimidating sometimes if you're um, not really versed in in the ways that you can make it work for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think a lot of older job seekers view LinkedIn as the historical record of all my accomplishments, <laughs> you know, almost like it could go in the Library of Congress or something like that. <laughs> and what you want to do is literally flip your perspective around and start thinking of LinkedIn as a marketing tool for you. And um, there's some great uh, courses online on LinkedIn. I offer a workshop on LinkedIn that um, the first Tuesday of every month oh. and yeah, and that really does help people, uh, use LinkedIn in a more intentional and marketing oriented way. Okay. What, what LinkedIn lets you do as an older job seeker is leverage your network. Um, and I, so for all job seekers, not just older job seekers, I recommend that once you know what you're targeting, the job titles of interest to you, the employers you might want to work for, the types of roles you're especially interested in, I have all job seekers send individualized emails to almost everyone in their personal and professional network, letting those people know hey, I'm looking. I'd love your advice and suggestions. I'm starting to explore my next steps. I don't have people use the phrase looking for a job. What I do have people use is is more a phrase like, I'm I'm looking around. The landscape has changed a lot in the last year and a half since the pandemic began. I've been looking around and exploring my next steps and then get specific with that person and ask if they have any ideas for you. Um, so, and and one of this here's where some of the this LinkedIn when you start talking about LinkedIn, um, I, I think it's important to share some statistics with our listeners here. Our okay. I? yes, so. This is the first one is stunning to me, and that is that 60% of new jobs are landed because of a referral from a former or current colleague. Wow, 60%. 60%. That is a stunning stati- statistic. And you, as an older job seeker listening to this session, You have so many former colleagues, right? That's a
0: huge pool of people. That's a huge asset. Like you were saying, yes,
1: it's a huge asset. Reach out to them. Don't make the mistake of reaching out to them in a sort of group email, because when you send group emails, people, they don't feel the the responsibility or the interest in replying. They're just like, sure. oh well, there she is on a fishing expedition. I'm not gonna respond. I can delete this email. Sure, and yeah. Send an individual email and make it personalized. Yeah. They will respond.
0: I um, think that I think that also ties well, back into what you were saying about starting with reflection and really knowing what you're looking for or or what your interests might be, what direction you sort of want to head because that makes those conversations feel more purposeful and less like a fishing expedition, right? If I send someone an email that says, Hey, I'm interested in seeing what the market looks like. And they might reply and say, okay, what, what exactly are you looking for? How can I help? If I don't have an answer to that, it sort of goes nowhere, right? They, they can't just say, okay, let me tell you every job that might, ever be available right, <laughs> they, right. You, you have to help them help you a little bit by knowing knowing what direction you're you're interested um that interested phrase in
1: i love that phrase help them help you that's yeah. absolutely the phrase help yeah. them help you by being specific and right. so doing that reflect prepared reflection and research at the beginning of the process is just so important Here's another statistic. Yes, so I love these statistics. Two, two more. So if okay. you look at job applications overall, seven percent of them are attached to a referral, whether it's an internal referral at that employer or an external referral.
0: Okay. Seven percent isn't isn't too high.
1: Right. But if you look at hires overall. Oh. of hires are attached to either an internal referral or an external referral. And this is where the older job seeker can shine Mm -hmm. because you have those referrals. You know people. It's not just the people you know in your personal and professional network. It's what LinkedIn calls your second degree connections. And your job as an older job seeker is to research those second-degree connections you have that could help you get into interview pools. So and what I mean by second-degree connections is, let's say, um, you know, Maya is a former colleague of yours. Mm-hmm. And Maya has a, Maya is connected on LinkedIn with someone you don't know who works in the department you'd like to get into at X, Y, Z. Sure, sure. You can ask Maya to introduce you if she would be comfortable introducing you to that person she knows. And then you go have an informational meeting with them. And then when a job opens up, she is this, that internal person is able to refer you to that job. So that makes sense. There's a lot of work to be done, but it starts with those individualized messages to everyone in your network and then by sprucing up your LinkedIn <laughs> and making sure that the keywords and phrases in the job postings of interest to you that those keywords and phrases are woven throughout your LinkedIn profile. Okay.
0: Yeah. So so, looking at those job tit- looking at those job descriptions, and sort of gleaning the language that they're using, and mm-hmm. then and then using that to sort of mirror back, t- so that people looking at your profile will say, "This person has the skills and um, no know- knowledge that that we're looking for."
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a process of matching or mirroring,
0: mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> there are a couple
1: of websites that help with that. Um, okay. one is jobscan.co, co, and the okay. other one is carmen.co. And both of those websites free will allow you to upload the job posting and upload your resume and they'll tell you how good the match is of keywords. Oh, and that's that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty the magic of the internet, Michaela.
0: (laughs) That's why we have to stay tech savvy.
1: I know, exactly. There's just so much good stuff out there. Well, and interestingly, that process of identifying job postings that are of interest to you um, is, I mean, that's something any job seeker has to do. But the sooner you do it in your process so that you're your self-marketing materials, your resume and your LinkedIn can mirror those job postings, the better luck you will have.
0: That's great. That's great. Okay. We've, we've talked a lot about the do's, the things that we, that we should be doing that older job seekers should be doing to try to um, combat ageism as they're looking for new jobs or, or changing careers. Are there any quick tips of of don'ts, things that people should, or excuse me, shouldn't do things. They should avoid <laughs> phrases, things, the, the anti-tips, if you will. Yeah. The anti
1: the things not to do. <laughs> the, what not yes, to do. Yes, there are.
0: Help so us avoid I'll, the pitfalls and the red flags.
1: Yeah. So I'll spin down a few of those. One thing I frequently see is, um, a, a kitchen, a kitchen sink approach in a oh, okay. resume or a link or a LinkedIn, where you can tell that the job seeker is like, you know, what I've done so many things, I'm just going to put them all out there, and they'll see how versatile I am. They'll see how <laughs> many skills I have. That does not work. The kitchens, <laughs> everything but the kitchen sink approach doesn't work. Um, so really. Own, really streamline your resume and LinkedIn so it's just showcasing the skills and experience that are directly relevant to, to the direction you want to go. So that's that's probably the biggest mistake I see older job seekers make. They okay. they also will use words in their about section on LinkedIn. They'll say seasoned something or other. Oh. and seasoned no you can (laughs) it's okay if a turkey is seasoned i was gonna
0: say we we like a good seasoned meal a well-seasoned meal (laughs)
1: We like a well-seasoned meal but we don't want a seasoned job seeker no thank you um one don't is we already mentioned which is to ever even once mention your hoped for retirement date just put that out of your mind Another uh, pitfall is to use your salary history or or even recent salary as a guide to your future salary. Okay. Your salary history is literally 100% irrelevant. What is relevant is the salary that that employer is willing to pay for that job. And the way you find that out is you literally type into Google, again, the magic of the internet, you Google salary for research analyst at Gates Foundation in Seattle. So you you type in the exact job title, the exact employer, and the exact location. And then Google okay. will pinpoint the information for you. At all of the different, there's there's so many different salary sites. There's sure. Glassdoor, LinkedIn has salary data, PayScale, Salary.com, Vault.com. There are a lot of salary websites. Let let Google do the work for you, okay. and then you'll be able to identify a range that is in the comfortably in the middle of all those numbers, and then that's when they ask you what your salary expectations are, that's your answer is the range, you know, they pay for that job. Sure. And the wording is my, my research suggests you want to make it very sort of conditional in case you're way off. Right? Yeah. My research suggests that the salary for this position is in the range from 60 to 70. And that range is great for me or something like that. Sure. So just I, and this is painful, I think, because people especially who have been working for many years, mm-hmm. you know, they sort of feel like, oh, I've earned the ability to be at this salary level. That's just not reality. What I, I think there can be some magical thinking sometimes with older employees who've worked really hard to right. get, to a certain salary level and you just have to put, you just have to be realistic and see what employers are paying for the jobs you're qualified for. Right. A couple of more like specific don'ts. Um, Don't use any dates prior to 2000 in your Mm. experience section on LinkedIn or in your resume either. And then don't put the dates on your degrees. The only thing you can put dates on (laughs) is your recent certificates or courses. Got it. Yeah. And people say, well, doesn't that seem inconsistent? I'm like, yeah, it is inconsistent, but that's the way it is. You don't (laughs) don't want to know you graduated from college in 1978
0: or 1983 or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, it's okay to be inconsistent on purpose right yes. to yeah say, I got the certificate in 2020 but I you don't need to know what I was doing in 1992 that's mm-hmm. not it's no longer relevant at, at yep. this point in the in the job seeking world. I, I like that framing Michaela I'm
1: being <laughs> I'm being inconsistent on purpose right <laughs> I really
0: like that. That's hard for people like me who work in (laughs) marketing and we, we we get all of our, all of our value from our consistency. We love consistency. Oh my
1: gosh. absolutely! (laughs) So you don't, you also, as an older job seeker, want to kind of update your email provider. If for any reason you're still using, God forbid, AOL, but if you're (laughs) using Hotmail or Yahoo, Um, just update to something like Gmail or Outlook or me or Mac or one of the more sort of, you know, up to date email providers.
0: And you can always forward your, if you still use a Hotmail, you can have that forward to Gmail, Mm -hmm. right? So that your display email is, is your Gmail, but you don't have to make sure that every you don't have to get rid of that old one and make sure that everyone has your new email address
1: yeah or or, uh, you do have to be careful though because sometimes when it's a forward i have noticed with clients that i've advised about this i've noticed that the original email sometimes still shows up oh that's a good point it depends it it just one thing um you can do is just, you know, keep using, let's say it's Hotmail, that you have keep using your Hotmail for your personal and then switch over to the new one for all oh, yeah. your personal stuff. And then, yeah,
0: that's a great tip. Um,
1: you don't ever want to mention anything personal, especially like a visit from your grandson. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be a good idea. And then finally, I guess the last don't is um, To use, you know, in your interviews, you're going to be asked for examples of things you've done. Tell us about stories from your jobs. I really encourage people to only cite or tell stories that are less than five years old. If you go back, you know, 15 years, God forbid, or 20 years, that can really It really can age you. And that's actually true for most, for all ages of interviewers. You want to use use as recent examples as you can, generally speaking. Sure. So I think that's it on the don'ts. Okay. That's great. Luckily, there are more do's than don'ts. Yes. Yes. We
0: we like lots of positive tips. Those are super helpful. Um, So we've talked a little bit or a lot about just sort of putting your best foot forward um, on your resume, on your LinkedIn. Are there any best practices that people should sort of keep in mind when they're thinking about how to present themselves using those tools? Or do you think we've sort of already covered all of that? Um, I think
1: probably the, the, what I would say to that question, Michaela is that LinkedIn is so powerful for you that it is absolutely worth investing serious time in making your LinkedIn profile as good as it can be. And you know, one let's let's start with your profile photo. Um, a Glassdoor study showed that recruiters and hiring managers spent almost twenty percent of their profile review time looking at the profile photo itself. Oh, wow. So I know that's 19.7% to be exact. Crazy. Wow. And so, and what you really want is a smiling photo and a smiling photo where your teeth are showing. Because when you're smiling without your teeth showing, it looks uncomfortably like a smirk. So, oh, yeah, so you really want a smiling photo. Um, and if you are older, um it, it, you know, it definitely might be worthwhile having a professional shot taken where they do a little bit of airbrushing just to, you know, soften the <laughs> soften soften the little lines here and there. <laughs> I would be a fan of that. Great, um, and then also, yeah, go ahead.
0: There's well, there's also um, I know at a lot of networking events they will have come get your headshot at this event, um, and those could be a, a great tool for people who are looking to to update that picture, um, putting on a nice jacket and and showing up to one of those events. You kind of get a two for one, like we were talking about earlier. But you, it's a great networking event, and also could could get a new LinkedIn headshot.
1: Yes. And UW um, has has done exactly that. Hooray for UW alumni (laughs) services. They have made arrangements to have LinkedIn headshot photographers at their events. And speaking of UW, please, please, please make use of your fellow alums. Um, And this is You know, using fellow alums in a job search is one of the tried and true strategies for all job seekers, young, middle and older. Um, It's especially um, valuable when you contact. So, for example, Michaela was in the School of Business, the Foster School of Business. I would, if she were in a job search, I would encourage her to reach out to people who also were in the Foster School of Business. So whatever department you were in or school you were in, alumni from those schools can be especially helpful to you. And just generally speaking, um, showing up at alumni events is also a way to expand your network. And there's A lot of research on how people you don't know yet, can at the beginning of a job search, you don't know them, then you meet them during, during your job search, maybe at a UW alumni event. And lo and behold, that person becomes the vector to your next job. So just making sure to connect in with your alumni network, with the alumni office and staff, They, the uh, alumni services is incredibly helpful in a job search in all kinds of different ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The UWAA has so many different great events throughout the year. Um, That was a a great, a great plug for UWAA. But, but I think it's easy to plug because it's true. And Mm -hmm. um, it's a great way to connect with people that uh, maybe you did know while you were in school, but also people that, you didn't know that were there at a different time Mm -hmm. or you just never met. um, But you still have that sense of community and camaraderie with them that they're often, I find, uh, open to at least having a conversation or connecting you with someone who, who they know that might be able to help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Those secondary connections again. mm
1: -hmm. And it's, I don't know, um, but often universities have, within their career services area, they may have some help for alumni as well. So that's kind of in addition to what alumni services can do. I don't happen to know what they are specifically for UW, but I'm sure there's something because UW has a pretty remarkable career services um, area.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as we're sort of wrapping up our conversation, if there was One thing that you could or that you would hope people would take away from this conversation, something to stick with them as they're they're thinking about it and and working on making a career change and trying to fight against ageism that they might be experiencing. What would what would your big takeaway be?
1: Oh, my gosh, that is such a great question, Michaela. Um, I, I think. That so, what I said earlier about that it takes older job seekers longer to cross the bridge of career transition, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, What older job seekers have is a sort of perspective and stamina and wisdom that younger job seekers don't have. I mean, we've lived life, we know stuff that (laughs) younger people don't. And so what I routinely see is that the persistence, the strategy, the intention, the thoughtfulness, the ability to reach out to other people, the ability to get other people on your team to help you and give you referrals and introductions. This is something that older job seekers truly are skilled at in a way that younger job seekers just can't be. And I will say that although it does take longer, it does happen. So older job seekers do get jobs. It just takes longer. So know that it will happen for you, especially if you you know, do all the best practices that we talked about. Um, Just know that it will happen and that it's so worthwhile. Several years ago, um, a woman attended one of my workshops who had been a very high level fundraiser um, for one of the big performing arts organizations in Seattle. And she had a big salary and she was in her 50s and she had applied for other fundraising jobs and wasn't getting them and she ended up making a career pivot and she now drives an access bus for the metro so the wow. access bus are the smaller buses that right. let, that take disabled people to doctor's appointments and that and you know, other engagements and things like that right and she reached out to me and told me how filled with joy she was in her new job. It was so different from what she had been doing. Yes, her salary was less, but it it was just invigorating for her. She said that people, that she had these wonderful interactions with people she picked up, and she was seeing a whole different side of life. And you know, sometimes that is the outcome. And, you know, right. you you end up doing something different than you originally thought. And frankly, the gig economy makes so many more things possible than were right. possible, say 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And they're all there are also all kinds of options for remote work. Just Google best remote work options <laughs> and you'll You'll go crazy with the options.
0: Yeah, we're learning that for sure and especially in the last two years or so we've <laughs> we've been learning a lot about remote work. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth, if people want to find you, how can how can they find you if they want to work with you, learn from you or just hear more about um, about all of this wise wisdom that you're that you're oh. sharing with us with here today.
1: Thanks, Michaela. So my website is Blue Bridge coaching.com. And just go to that website, you can read all about my workshops and my individual work with clients. The three workshops I give are the this sort of most comprehensive workshop is called tools for transition. And I give that in an all day session on Saturdays, and then a four part session, spread over four Tuesdays and Thursdays each month.
0: Okay.
1: Um, my second workshop is level up your LinkedIn profile. Oh. And I give that the first Tuesday of each month from four to six p.m. Pacific time, and it's forty nine dollars. And it's it really will help you uh, level up your LinkedIn profile, <laughs> just as the title says. And then exactly. my third my third workshop is combating ageism in the job market, a very familiar topic. Something
0: we know about now.
1: (laughs) Something we now know about. (laughs) And I I give that the first Wednesday of each month, also from 4 to 6 p.m. for $49. But go to my website and you'll see everything there.
0: Okay. That sounds great. Uh, well, thank you, Elizabeth, so much for joining us. I know I learned a lot. Um, and I know that people who are listening today are, are going to learn a lot as well, whether or not they're an older job seeker who is looking to, to make a change, um, or really anyone, people of all ages who are in the job market and, and trying to find something that's a good fit for them. So I'm just so grateful to be able to spend the time with you. Um, I'm And um, glad to, glad to chat with you. And thank you so much for your time. Oh,
1: Michaela, it has been so lovely talking to you and good luck to all you UW alumni out there. You're going to do it.
0: (laughs) They're going to do it. We all, we (laughs) believe in them. We do. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to Career Conversations. This series is one of many programs and events created and supported by the University of Washington Alumni Association. It Helps keep alumni, students, and friends connected to the university and to each other. If you haven't already, you can create your profile on Husky Landing, the professional networking platform designed specifically for the UW community. Husky Landing's algorithm makes it easy to meet fellow Huskies based on your shared backgrounds and interests. Built-in tools make it simple to engage with others, join or initiate conversations, find career resources, workshops, and more. It's a great tool built just for the UW community. If you are on LinkedIn, you can join the UW alumni group. It has more than 35,000 members, and it's another great tool to make UW connections. Throughout the year, the UW AA creates and promotes helpful career content and workshops. So be sure to look out for those opportunities on Husky Landing and at uwalum.com. I'm your host, Michaela Gornley. Thanks so much for listening, and go dogs!